You know, it's interesting because when I was at that conference last week, um, I, I gave that illustration. I don't know if you remember me talking about it like a year and a half ago. I talked about uh, the caterpillar and I, and I talked about, I go, you ever think about what goes through the mind of a caterpillar? When all your life, your whole life, all you've done is roll around in the dirt. That's all you know. You're crawling around the leaves, this and that. You've got this own little world. That's all you know about. And then one day you take a nap. You know, and, uh, and you wake up and it's like, what in the world just happened? You know, and you're flying around. You're this complete different being going, what, what happened? And, and I, I talk about how, you know, the Bible says that those of us who are, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation, that the old is gone and new things have come and you're just suddenly this completely different being. And I talked about how, you know, Romans 8 talks about how the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead now dwells in us. And, and, and I just really question, do we believe that we're new creations and that we've changed? And, and I shared that illustration, you know, at this conference and this lady comes up to me afterwards um, and she says, hey, I was a biology major in college. And uh, do you know what happens to a, you know, <laughs> a caterpillar in the cocoon? Oh, honestly, I have no idea. And she, she says, and she goes, let me, let me tell you. Um, and, and she explained how when the caterpillar is inside the cocoon, she says it actually digests itself and breaks itself down until all that is left are its amino acids. And then those acids actually rebuild whole new internal organs. I'm like, oh, that's weird. And, but then she says this, and she goes, do you know where the wings come from and the colors of the wings? you know what that is? And I go, no. She goes, the colors on that wing, that, that comes from crystallized waste. That's gross. <laughs> crystallized waste. And as she was telling me this, there was this guy sitting next to me who was about to go on, and he was a rapper. He, you know, he was going to rap the Gospel of John. And this guy, you know, he's sitting next to me. He's a preacher, too. He slams his hand on the table. He goes, did you just hear that? And, and he goes, that means God can take my mess and turn it into something beautiful. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I... I just love that. I mean, you know, it was, it was, it was just such a beautiful illustration of it's like, wow, that is what he does, you know, as, as were these new creations. I mean, that's the thing I always marvel at God with is, is how can you take my mess, whatever you want to call it, you know, the stuff that I've done and actually turn it to something so beautiful, so glorious. And, and that's where it's like, God, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm constantly amazed at how you've done that in this church. And even through the most difficult and the hardest and even ugly situations, you make something beautiful of it. And, and that's, that's so true of so many of our lives. As we look now, you just go, God, how did you pull me out of that? How did you take me from there and give me this type of life and this type of joy? I, I didn't think it was ever possible. But that's what God loves to do. And, and when, you, when, you, uh, when you read the Scriptures, you realize that God is, God is concerned about that process, but He's concerned about the end result. He's concerned about, okay, what, what do you become at the end of your life? It, like like uh, James 1 talks about it. It says that, you know, let, let perseverance do its work, okay? When you're going through trials, let, let the perseverance happen because that's going to that's gonna develop in you this character. And it says, so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, God's desire is, is that He takes us through this process so at the end of our lives we become mature, complete, not lacking anything. That's His desire. 
See, but a lot of times we don't think about that. A lot of times we don't want that. And we don't think about, oh, I wonder what type of man I'm going to be at the end of my life. I wonder what type of woman I'm going to be at the end of my life. A lot of times we don't think about God taking us to this process to make us mature and complete. When we think about our relationship with God, we think about the here and now, and we want to come before God and go, God, make me happy right now. Okay, Take all the pain out of my life right now. Make me comfortable right now. Make life easy right now, because that's what I like. And yet God's saying, well... Actually, I'm in your life to complete you, to mature you. So at the end of your life, you're mature, complete, not lacking in anything. But, but what, what happens is we, we forget about this process. And honestly, a lot of times we don't even think about the goal. We don't think and care about the character we'll have at the end of our lives. I mean, what do you want to be known for at the end of your life? What type of person do you want to be? That's what life's about. We're all in process. It's just, am I going to get there? Am I going to be mature and complete? Am I going to use everything in my life to get there? Is God going to do that in my life? You see, there's this this verse uh, that that describes this man's life that I I just love because it talks about his character. And it's, it's in Luke chapter 23. And I just want to read this one short verse that really sums up this guy's life. When When you talk about him, this guy named Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea. It's so cool because, okay, he is the guy that took the body of Christ off of the cross and put it in the tomb. Okay, that's all we really know about this man. But this one short verse, verse 50, it says this. It says this, Luke 23:50. Now, there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man. I don't know, just something about that hit me as I was looking at this passage this week. That he was remembered for being good, and the word upright is literally the word righteous. And when you see this word used throughout Scripture, and even the word good, these words are not used lightly. I mean, you, you, you hear verses that say, no one's good, you know, we're, we're all unrighteous, and yet the character, what was, was said about this man, he was good and righteous. He was known for that. And, and I guess I don't know a lot of people who are known for that. Think about that. You know, who do you know that, you, that they're just known for being good and righteous? We live in a world where everyone lifts up accomplishments, appearance, success. And I guess what I'm asking you is, is that what you want? Do you want to be known for your accomplishments, your appearance, or for your character? At the end of your life, what do you want people to say about you? You know, if there's that one verse about you, what would it say? About what you did while you're on the earth? All the things you achieved, all the things you got for yourself, all your material possessions, all the money you left behind, how good you looked? Because that's what the world is after. And honestly, is that what you're known for right now? If this were the end of your life, if today was the last day on earth for you, what would people say about you? What's the first thing that would come out of of their mouths? Because I think a lot of times that will show what you've been striving after. It's like, wow, he was so successful. Oh, she was so beautiful. She was always put together. Even Even as she got older, you know, she got all these surgeries and she was just so put together, you know? You still look good, you know? And honestly, a lot of people are known for that. You know? 
how they appear this or that, you know, and it's like, I don't know, I guess what I'm saying is for much of my life, honestly, and it still even carries on to this day, I hear, I hear a term when, when people would talk about me and they're like, they'll say things like, oh, he's, he's so gifted. He's a gifted speaker. He's a gifted communicator. He's a gifted teacher. He has a way of, you know, taking the Bible, making it simple so that I get it. And, and when I was younger, I used to love hearing things like that. You know, like, wow, I'm good. You know, I'm good at that. And they called me gifted. They said, you know, I'm anointed. They said that I I really have an ability to do this and do that. And and it does. It feels good at first because that's what you're pursuing. But, but, you know, there comes a point in your life when you stop and you go, I don't want to be known for that. that. That's pretty shallow. And you start realizing, wait, wait, do I want to be known as a gifted person or do I want to be known as a godly person? You know, and at the end of my life, do I want people saying at, at my funeral, oh, he was so good at doing this, he was so gifted, this, or do I want to say, do I want to hear someone just say, you know what, he's just a good man. He was a godly man. He sought to do what was right. You know, and at some point in life, you, you kind of, at least I hope, you make that transition where you don't want to be known for how you look or what you do how well you do it. Because all those things are God-given anyways. But you want to be known for your character. Are you pursuing that? You know, I, I read a few books years ago, uh, uh, one of them called Halftime, where this guy, Bob Buford, had been so successful, made all this money, and then halfway through his life, he thought, you know, I've been pursuing success. I've been pursuing money. And it's so easy, he says, as a young man, we all, you know, we just want to strive and get this reputation and, and, and be successful at what we do and achieve more and more and more. He goes, but then you, he goes, I took a break at the halfway point in my life. And I thought, man, the second half of my life, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to pursue significance and I'm going to spend the second half of my life giving away all of my money and trying to figure out, you know, how to become this person rather than just achieve, achieve, achieve. And, and you don't have to wait till the halfway mark in your life to do that. You know, that's just something that he discovered halfway through. I mean, something at a young age, hopefully some of you can just say, you know what, right now, I, I want to be concerned about that end result and being mature and complete and known for just being good and being righteous and not worry about all the accomplishments. And, 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 and honestly, it's not just the reputation, obviously. It's not just that other people would see you that way, but that God truly would. And, and that God would say, you know what, there's a good and righteous person. There's a complete, mature person not lacking in anything. Is that the goal of your life? I mean, ask yourself that. Is that how people remember you? Is that how God sees you? Is that really what's inside the tunnel, a desire to be right and pure? The other thing I love about this man uh, that I just think is so powerful in these few words, after it says that he's a good and upright man, it says, who had not consented to the decision and action, to their decision and action. He's talking about it because it says that he's a part of this council. This is the council that decided to crucify Jesus. This is the council that took Jesus before Pilate and were screaming, crucify him, crucify him. And Joseph was a part of this council, but it says in those few words, he never consented to this. 
He never consented to their decision nor their action. And I love that because, okay, first you've got to understand this council that he was a part of. This was the government. This was the governing board. Okay, this was the Sanhedrin it was called. It was made up of, of 71 people. And they patterned it after the Old Testament with Moses in the book of Numbers when he had his council of 70 men and they led, they were the government of all of Israel. They're the government of, of the Jewish nation. Okay, so that continued on. And even though now with the Jews being under the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire recognized the Sanhedrin as the government, you know, and gave them some sort of autonomy. And so here's the governing board. Joseph is a prominent man. He's a part of this board. This whole board is the same board that is screaming for the crucifixion of Jesus. And Joseph stands against it all and says, no, this isn't right. Could you do that? Could you be on a council of 71 people and 70 of them are going this one direction, but are you the type of person that can say, I'm going to stand against you all. I'll stand here by myself. This is wrong. And I, I, I won't have any of it. I'm not going to consent to it. And, and that's what he's remembered for. Isn't that awesome? Just having the page of scriptures. No, I stood for what is right. I, I didn't consent to their actions. I never said crucify him. I was against it all the way through. Is that what you're known for? A person who can stand against the majority when the majority is wrong. See, it's the exact opposite of Pilate that we studied a few weeks ago. Remember? Pilate, the Roman governor, who he knew what was right, but as everyone started screaming, crucify him, crucify him, you see him backing off, backing off, washing his hands, going, okay, go, go ahead, go ahead and do it. Joseph was the opposite. He never backed off. He never consented to their actions. He never consented to their decision. And it made the pages of Scripture. And it's like, okay, who, who, do, you, who do you resemble most? Honestly. Do you resemble Joseph that you stand against the majority when you know what's right, even if everyone's against you? Or do you resemble Pilate where you give in to the pressure, the peer pressure gets to you and you just do what everyone else does? You see, what are you going to be remembered as? It continues in talking about this man and it says he came from the Judean town of Arimathea and he was waiting for the kingdom of God. See, this guy was looking for the kingdom of God is what, what waiting literally means. He was looking for it. He wasn't, he wasn't looking for all these other things that everyone else in the world chases. He wasn't thinking about building his own kingdom, his own mansion, his own possessions. His focus was on eternal things. He was waiting for the kingdom of God. And what the New Testament teaches is that all of us, all of us as Christians, are supposed to be eagerly awaiting the return of Christ. We're not supposed to be eagerly, you know, building a home for ourselves. In fact, the Bible says that we are supposed to live as aliens on this earth. In the sense of, you know what, I don't belong down here. I'm just here for a little while and I'm going to, you know, do what God calls me to do, but this isn't my home. I've got an eternal home in heaven and I can't wait to get there. I can't wait till Christ returns. I can't wait till the day of my death. I can't wait to just get up there because I'm building an eternal home. I'm making sacrifices here on the earth that'll have eternal repercussions, rewards, you know, and I'm looking forward to that day because life on earth is over in a second. Man, I saw that this week. It's just like, boom, just like that, it's over. And then comes eternity. 
And the Bible says that as believers, that's supposed to characterize our lives, that we don't focus on the things that we can see. We focus on the things that are invisible, the future. That's where our faith lies, because that's eternal. Is that how people would characterize you? They would say, you know what? He doesn't really care about his home so much here on this earth. You know, she, she's so focused on her future and heaven and everything she does is for the sake of an eternal reward. And he or she is looking for the return of Christ. Or have you got caught up in the things of this world, in your appearance, in your stuff, in making a home for yourself here in Simi Valley or, or Thousand Oaks or more part? I mean, is, is that your thought? Is this is your home? Or do you really live waiting for the kingdom of God, looking for that, anxiously awaiting for it? See, that's the way Joseph was. And then there's this, such a delicate picture here in verse 52. Try, try to picture this as, as I read it. Going to Pilate, that's the governor, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, placed it in a tomb, cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. Try to picture this. I, 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 just, I just love this scene. Because, remember, here's the guy that stood against the whole council. And now he's there at the crucifixion going, man, I can't believe this is happening. And probably many of the people in the council saw everything that happened. And then, and then Joseph, you know, in, in, in front of all these people, comes before the governor and says, can I have that body? It's still the whole time going, you know, what they did was wrong. What was done here was wrong. And, 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 and it says that he takes the body off of the cross. I mean, picture this man who just loves Jesus. Who says, this, is, this whole thing was wrong. And he's take, I mean, what would that feel like to take this body off of the cross? After you stood against us the whole way and you, know, you lost. But you take this body down. You wrap it in a cloth. And you take this body and you just, you just care for it. You just see this man just cherishing, loving this body and putting it in this brand new tomb and just you know, giving as much honor and respect to the body as he could. I don't mean, it's just so delicate. And, and, and just to think, gosh, to be that guy, to be remembered as that one guy that stood up and said, this is wrong and I love this man and, and I'm going to care for this body. And you just see this love of Jesus. And I, I, again, I ask you, is that what you're known for? Is this what you'll be remembered for? Gosh, she was a woman that just, she just adored Jesus. She loved Jesus so much. And the people at, at your funeral that'll say, you know what, the thing I remember was he was just crazy about Jesus. Gosh, you know, it just seemed like he was talking to him all the time. He just, he truly was in love. It wasn't this religion. It was really this relationship where he just adored his Savior. Is that what you want to be rem- Isn't that what you want to be remembered for, though? I, I realize, you know, as you, you hear these things, you, you get convicted. You go, gosh, I'm not, it's not the way I'm thought of. And that's not who I really am. But it's what I want to be. And so, God, take me to this process. Because I want to be this at the end of my life. I want to have character. I don't want to just go with the flow like everyone else and be remembered for an accomplishment or appearance or this or that. I want to be known for these things because this is the true me. This is what's inside the tunnel. You know, and, and, and the final thing you know, that it says there in verse 54 was that it was preparation day and the Sabbath was about to begin and the women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. 
Then they went home, prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. I, I, I love that. I mean, you see what's happening is, is after they put him in the tomb, then they have to prepare the body and put spices and, and, and really, you know, just, just prepare his body for burial the proper way. So they go and they, they run home and they get all the spices and everything else to adorn the body with, but they hurry up and do it all because they realize the sun's about to set. And when the sun sets, that's the beginning of the Sabbath where no work, according to God, he says, take that day of rest. And they, and they took that seriously. Even at this emotional, important time, they go, we're not going to break God's command. He would want us to care for the body, but He would also want us to obey His commands. And that's, that's, I, I love that, that they, they did it all and they rushed because they didn't want to do any work on the Sabbath. They didn't want to break His law. See, a person of character doesn't just love and have these emotions for God, but he does everything he can to obey God's Word. It's not just a love for the person, but it's a love for His words. Because God says, you know, that's, that's a part of who I am. It, it, the, word, the Psalms even say that he's exalted his word above his name. You know, this is, this is important. And, and we have to look and say, you know, to sum up, is this you? Are you known for your character being righteous and good? Are you willing to stand against the majority? A person who stands for what right, what's right, even if the whole world is against you. Is that you? Are you a person who's focused on spiritual things, the, the life to come, or are you caught up in what everyone else is in this world? Are you known for just being in love with Jesus, intimate with Him, a love relationship? And are you known as a person who is serious about God's Word and, and obeying it? You know, it's just so many different thoughts, you know, but I, I sure hope that you'll take this week to look inside of yourself and see what type of person you are. You know, one last thing I want to mention, you know, I, this last week when I was, uh, I was in Colorado and I'm, I'm at, you know, I got a ride from the airport to this house that I was staying at. And I needed a rental car, and I called Enterprise Rental Car because they, you know, they pick you up. You know, they'll actually come pick you up at your house and take you to get your car and then take you back. And, and so I call, and, and, uh, and this guy is coming to pick me up. I don't know who, guy or girl. Someone's coming to pick me up. So I, I just, right after I hung up the phone, I just prayed to God. I go, God, you know, it's a five-minute drive from here to Enterprise, and I don't know who's picking me up, but could you use me to minister to them? I just, I just want to be used. I, want to, I don't even want to waste this time, this, this opportunity, that if I can do something or help this person, then make the opportunity happen. I was in the car, honestly, less than a minute when this guy started to pour out his life to me and pours out his heart and tells me that his wife just left him two weeks ago. And he says, Francis, I have no one. My whole life has fallen apart and I've got nothing. And he's crying. And, you know, and, and I asked him if he, he had a relationship with God and he's, he had no church background, nothing. And just remember in my head, just going, okay, Lord, I've got like four minutes now. You know, <laughs> seriously, going, God, help me, to, help me to say everything I can in these four minutes. Help me to love this guy and show him a love he's never seen. You know, just, just all these thoughts as I'm talking and praying at the same time. 
and, and was able to just lay out what it means to have a relationship with God and, and, and the whole point of the cross and our sin and everything else and the power that's in I mean, just laying it all out. And, and by the time you know we got there and he gave me the keys to this car, you know, I just told him that I'd be praying for him and told him that I was around all week. And he, he gave me his cell phone number and, uh, and, and I called him a couple times. We hooked up for coffee and then I took him to church. You know, and I, I just, you know, found this church as recommended to me. I'd never been there before. You know, found on the internet the phone number, you know, where it was and the times. And, 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 and I'm starting to go to, we start walking to the church. And I just asked him, I go, have you ever been to a church service in your whole life? He goes, no. And, and that was so, you know, it was, it was cool, you know. So we go, we sit down in the service, and, and it, you just gotta understand, I, I, I never sit in a church service, you know, it's just, you know, I don't like, a, no, I'm kidding. I, I mean, I'm always, I'm always up here, you know, and so it's, it's just weird to sit there, but it was the first time that, you know, in a long time, and as long as I can remember, that I sat down with someone that I brought that had never been to a church service. And so the whole time I'm sitting there, I mean, the, the message was fine, the service was fine, but I wasn't even listening it for me. You know, I wasn't listening to it for me. I, I already know everything. And so I, I'm just, I'm kidding. Um, uh, the whole time, I'm just thinking, okay, what does this guy think of it? What does this guy think about this? What does this guy think about this? You know, you walk into the service, and, you know, and, and I guess what I'm saying is, having been through that experience, I, I sit here this morning, you know, and I think, okay, every weekend we have dozens of, visitors and some of you, you you don't go to church regularly and i and i i was just i guess i'm more sensitive now thinking okay what do you think you know you, you walk in you see this giant bald guy giving announcements and then you know and then you you gotta you know this, this this you know matt over here you know a stand-up comic that 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 leads us in worship and then you know and then the next thing you have is you you've, you've got one of the pastors up here you know confessing some things in his life and what's really been going on and then you you hear someone you know talk about character and open up and i just thought wow that that's got to be confusing um and, and, you know, a lot of times we take for granted those who have been to church, what it feels like, because we've been going to church all our lives, or we've been going to church for years, and it's like, okay, another service, and this and that, and we understand everything. And, and just for those of you guys that are visiting and, and, and that are new, let me just explain that everyone in this room is in process. You know, there's no one that's arrived. You know, I'm not up on the stage because I finally made it. You know, it's, it's, we're all in this process of trying to reach this maturity that God wants. But if you look at any of our lives any of our lives, and you dig deep and look in the tunnels and the tunnels we've been in in the past, you're going to see a lot of junk. You're going to see a lot of garbage. I mean, you, you dig into my life and you, you, want to, you want to sit down and you want me to tell you, you know, things I've done in my past, in my life. It's, it's, it's not pretty. And, and I recognize that I deserve to be punished. I, I totally deserve to be punished for things I've done in life. And the Bible teaches that God's a fair God. That means he has to punish. That's what a fair judge does, is he goes, okay, the crime's committed, you've broken my law, I punish. But what the Bible teaches is that while God is fair, he is also loving. And he is so loving, the Bible says, that, that he loves us so much that, that knowing that he has to punish, he sends his son, has his own son come down and take the form of a human being and has him nailed to a cross. And on that cross, Jesus was being punished for my crimes. 
And the Bible says that if I really believe that and really believe and put my faith in the love of God, that at the end of my life I won't be punished, but I'll go straight to heaven. That I'm forgiven. And recognizing that, that's why even if life gets difficult, even go times, you know, when times are, it feels like everything's falling apart, I can still rejoice. Because I know, you know what, this life's just temporary. And I know where I'm going. I know at any moment I'm forgiven and I'm going to be in paradise with God. And that's why we rejoice. That's why we sing. That's why we worship. And, and not only that, but the Bible also says that the moment you start believing in that, the moment you believe that Jesus really did die for you, the Bible says that God puts His Spirit into you. And He gives you a power. That's a butterfly illustration. I was talking about. He gives you this ability to put to death all the junk in your life. See, like when Chuck is talking about this process he's going through where he wants to clean all this garbage out, it's not something that he's going to do by his own power. It's not like, I'm just going to have the willpower to change who I am. No, he's saying, no, but because of the spirit that's in me, I know I can get this out of my life. And that's a joy that we have. And, and if you're visiting and you go, you know, I don't have that, and I want a relationship with God, you can have it just like that. When you read the Bible, when people hear a message like what I just gave, it says the moment they heard it, in Acts chapter 2, it says that they were convicted and they said, that's what I need. And immediately what they did was they repented. That means they turned from their old way of living and it says, and they went and got baptized. They immediately went to a body of water where, where they would uh, just, just get dipped in a body of water and come right back out. Because it was this, this outward picture of saying, you know what, I'm getting in front of all these people and saying, I'm dying to the old way of living. I'm coming up and I'm going to live a new life. It's like going into the cocoon, you know, and I'm coming out, I'm a new being now. You know, God's coming into my life. I believe in the resurrection. I believe in the death of Christ. And I want to start living for Him. And, uh, you know, that happens every weekend. Every service we have baptisms. Um, and that's what that's about. And even if you go today, and maybe your very first time here, first time you ever heard the message of the cross, you can get baptized today and start a whole new life. Just like that. You go home with wet clothes and, uh, and a whole new life. Um, you know, and a, and a start of something new. Something beautiful. And uh, it's a process that we're all in now. And, and also we take of communion. You know, a lot of times during service, some people come early. Some people stick around afterwards. Some people even during service or during worship will take of uh, the bread, you know, this little piece of bread that reminds them of the body of Jesus, reminds them of the cross. It's a, Jesus commanded us to do it in remembrance of Him, to remember His body. We take of this little cup and drink the, you know, the juice, and that's to remind us of the blood of Jesus that was poured out for us. And so... Gosh, if you, if you believe in Jesus and you believe that he's done that for you, again, we welcome you to take of that. But right now, uh, Matt's going to lead us in just one last song. And let me just say this. I don't know what's going on in everyone's life. I just remember sitting at that church service with a guy who just was ready to kill himself and realizing, you know what? There are probably people like that in every service. And the preacher probably didn't even know. He had no idea who was sitting next to me. But... You know, I knew what was going on in this guy's life. And I don't know what's happened in your life. All I know is that it's been an intense, intense summer for a lot, a lot of people. And I don't want to be insensitive to that. And if you need prayer today, you know, don't, don't sing the song. Come up and, and there'll be someone to pray with you. If maybe you, you hear even Chuck's testimony and go, you know what? There's some junk in my life I need to clean out because I don't have peace either. And you want to do that and you just want to pray with someone, someone to help you with, we'll be up here. 
Or maybe it's going, you know, it's the first time I heard the, the message of what Jesus did and I'm ready to get baptized. Then come up and do that. But just do whatever God's called you to do because that's how you get peace. Um, so.